0: To learn more, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez is here. And today I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Jay Desai. He is the CEO and co founder of Patient Ping. Jay started the company in 2013 with one goal in mind to connect providers everywhere to seamlessly coordinated patient care. Prior to founding Patient Ping, Jay worked at the CMS Innovation Center where he helped develop ACOs, bundled payments and other payment initiatives. Jay's passion lies at the intersection of technology, policy and community building. He's got his MBA in healthcare management from Wharton and his BA from the University of Michigan. He just feels lucky to love his work, but also loves running and All Things Music. And today, we're just really privileged to have him here to talk to us about the work that he's doing at Patient Ping. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So just a a very interesting background with your time at CMS and, you know, and prior to that, obviously, other other healthcare leadership roles. Talk to us a little bit about what drives your work in healthcare. You know, what lights your fire? What makes you do what you do? Yeah, so...
1: I will say that my family were, you know, uh, my parents were healthcare workers. My dad is a pharmacist. He had a small pharmacy in the South Side of Chicago. And um, my mom was a respiratory therapist. So kind of grew up in and around healthcare. And, you know, I think out of college, I was somebody who was motivated and excited and, you know, pretty, pretty ambitious to do, to do work. And I'd say that becoming a healthcare worker, you know, um, wasn't really, my path. it didn't feel like that was my path. And I'd say that if I was going to go into business, which was something that I was really interested in business and policy that doing it in healthcare, as opposed to say, same working on manufacturing parts or selling potato chips or anything like that, you know, healthcare just felt more meaningful and more complicated and more interesting, you know, of a space to, to spend my time. So that's what, that's what brought me there.
0: I love it, man. Yeah. So it's in the family and uh, you took the business route. I mean, who wants to sell potato chips? Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) I mean,
1: my parents probably wanted me to become doctors, but, you know, so maybe it was just out of guilt that I (laughs) decided to to take a different path into healthcare, but here we are. That's
0: funny. A little slice of honesty there. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, and and so here you are, right? I mean, you've got this really, really neat journey that you've taken with with your career and uh, now doing patient ping so so talk to us a little bit about what you're up to and uh, and what exactly patient ping's doing to to add value to the healthcare ecosystem yeah so
1: patient ping is a care collaboration platform so the way to way to think about it is patients get care from a lot of providers and when those providers don't work together around any given patient then the care is more dangerous and it's more expensive So if you're, and the people who, not everybody needs care coordination. So if you are young and healthy or go to the hospital because you broke your thumb, you know, you're probably going to get a cast. You're going to go home. You're going to be fine. You don't need a bunch of people working around you. But it's for those patients who are high risk, high need, and and those fall into a number of categories. It could be frail elderly, it could be multiple comorbidities. People who are homeless or experiencing severe mental illness or substance abuse issues. Those are the people who are in and out of ERs and hospitals, and they're going to primary care doctors. They have social services support that are supporting them. They go to post acute care providers, and you know, the system doesn't really work all that well to coordinate across all those different providers. And so, if you think about the way that the system works today, you know, these providers sort of operate in their own silos. So, if you're a primary care doctor, you deal with the patient when they're with you. At your hospital, you deal with the patient when they're with you. You go to rehab after a surgery, they deal with you, and then they patch you off and they send you, send you on your way. And I think that that, that lack of coordination across all these providers has, you know, has been a big problem in our industry for, for a long time in this country where we are a very modern country with a lot of money that we spend on healthcare, but we still don't get the types of outcomes that we could get. So patient paying, we have a number of products. They're centered around the clinical encounter. So when a patient presents in a hospital, when they show up in an emergency room, we activate the full care team by notifying them. So that could be, you know, your primary care doctor could live in New York City and you may get hospitalized in Florida. We'll make sure that those providers know about each other. um, And then information can kind of flow back and forth and they can work together to make sure the patient gets the best care during the particular episode that they may be having. And then also afterwards that they get the appropriate follow-up care. So that's kind of at a high high
0: level what we do. Yeah, no, that's great. And, uh, you know, it's like all the effort that went into putting EMRs in a place, you know, you think that there is a way that facilitated this, you know, care through the continuum, but it it still remains a challenge. And so you guys are doing it in a really unique way with the different things that you do, the, the pings, the spotlights, the call outs. I love what you guys have done. So help us learn a little bit more. And maybe give us an example of what you guys have done to improve outcomes and the experience of provider or or a patient. Yeah.
1: So let's use the example of a patient that we were supporting in Wisconsin. Let's just Mm -hmm. use that example. This is a a kid who unfortunately was uh, an orphan. So this child was adopted by by a family and unfortunately was um, a victim of abuse within her family. He ended up in the emergency room. And there were major issues um, with the patient. um, In while in the emergency room, we were able to alert the community services, the state-supported social social network, uh, social work team, uh, that the patient was in the ER, and the department, the state-level department that supports foster children, was able to detect that this was a situation of violence, and the child was able to be set up in a in a different home. So this is a very dramatic version of how you know their services to help patients that when they end up in the emergency room, a lot of times that's when the system has failed. So this particular child was able to, you know, work with the social services that were available to, to the child. And then they were able to detect that this issue was happening and, you know, again, move the patient likely through some transition period into, you know, into a safer environment. So that that's sort of at the patient level is these people who are sort of falling through the cracks, they're sort of lost when they're getting um, in and out of the hospital. Another example could be a patient goes to a hospital for a surgery and they, let's say they're old um, and about a third of the country is experiencing severe social isolation. So they go to the hospital, they don't really have caregivers, they don't have children, they don't have a spouse to sort of take care of them and help them manage their, their care transition. So they go to the hospital and let's say they have dementia. If the hospital then says, well, here's your discharge instructions, Here's the nursing home that we'd like to, you know, you need to go to a nursing home and here's some options for where you can go. And once you get there, you know, here's how you want to, we're going to set you up. And and um, and then after that, we actually, are probably going to need to have you send them three days a week with a, with a home health nurse that comes to your house. If you're a patient, you're completely overwhelmed. You're like, one, I don't know how to manage my own care. I don't have anybody to help me. And so managing all these care transitions from one place to the next can get very complicated. From the provider's perspective, they're in a situation where they just need to move the patient out. They've got number many patients that are in the hospital who need to be transitioned out of the hospital. They have a lot of pressure to clear the beds, open them up for the people who are in the ER. So they don't have enough time to spend with that patient to make sure that you know, they safely get to the next destination of care that they're trying to get to. So this is this this results in a lot of problems. It's no surprise that if you're, again, that patient who's elderly, who has dementia the hospital gives you a care instruction on setting up, uh, let's just say they, they don't go to a rehab provider, they go straight to home and they're supposed to set up home health services. If nobody's there to make sure that that happens, it's, it's not a surprise why our readmission rates in this country are so high. You're just going to go right back to the hospital after right. you get home because if the services didn't come, they didn't set up on time, you start getting scared, you start feeling sick, you maybe took the medications at the wrong order, you, know, you go back to the ER. And so our readmission rates in this country are very high. And that's because these patients don't get the supportive care that they need as they're transitioning through the system.
0: Yeah. No, you've highlighted some of the critical issues and caring for the at-risk population. Then there's the chronic conditions, right? At the at the beginning of our discussion, you mentioned, hey, you know, not everybody needs that that presence. You know, if you're young and you just you had something happen, you got it taken care of, you're good, right? You're healthy otherwise. But Now you're dealing with these crazy situations on the one hand, but on the other hand, you have chronic conditions that need that consistent vigilance, the nudges, you know, so talk to us a little bit about that, you know, with, with regard to population health, I imagine that the platform could be pretty advantageous. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So great question. I think that chronic conditions require a plan no matter, and pretty much everybody has a plan of care. If you're really healthy, you probably don't need to do much. Maybe go once a year to, um, to get a physical. Uh, if you have chronic conditions, you probably need to get care on some more frequent basis. You got to take your medications. You got to go in for a checkup, maybe with a specialist. You maybe need to get some lab tests or other kind of um, monitoring done. And so if you're trying to take care of yourself and your chronic condition, you have to sort of stay on plan. Now, what our service does is it tells you if. The patient presents in the emergency room, if they present in the hospital, when they go to those facilities, we allow those providers to see what the care plan is. But the thing that's really important is if somebody has a chronic condition and they end up in the emergency room, that probably means they're off plan. That means that probably something happened in between that wasn't supposed to happen. So, because if you have a chronic condition, unless it's fully exacerbated or you're towards the end of life, where now your maintenance of that chronic condition is going to be very different. Um, if you're in the phase where you're trying to manage a chronic condition, usually there's programs in place, medications and therapies uh, to keep you out of the hospital. But when that, that set of support infrastructure, whether it's medical or um, uh, social services, falls apart, you end up back in, you know, in an ER, hospital, other provider. So right now, for those patients who are chronically ill, I'm simply alerting the doctor, their primary doctor or their care manager, their care coordinator, That could be at the health plan, that could be at the provider level, that the patient has had an event. And then helping that point of care provider see what's going on with that patient um, who does have a chronic condition and a series of of care measures that they needed to sort of adhere to allows that patient to sort of be on their path to recovery and and stitch back up essentially to get back on the plan.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, And so as you think about the patient paying approach, what would you say makes it unique? And different than anything else that's out there.
1: The the biggest thing is a network. So where we most most care coordination products and services tend to focus on one health system and coordinating care across that health system, or you know maybe even like one small health system, and then there are a handful of providers that sort of are within immediate geographic radius of that of that health system. Ours is regional. Actually, it's really national. So most of the value does occur regionally because. Care coordination happens really, for the most part, amongst the providers within your community. So, um, But we think very much regionally. We want to connect all of Massachusetts or we want to connect all of Connecticut or all of Texas so that all those providers can work together. But then there's also state-to-state value because, you know, there's Snowbirds who spent half the year in, you know, Arizona and then half the year in Michigan. And, you know, so there's a lot of state-to-state value that does accrue. There's also care management organizations that are delivering care for patients nationally across multiple states. And so they want to work with one group to be able to provide this sort of care coordination services across the country. But really, I think that's a very unique part of what we do is we think about a network. We think about a national network and connecting everybody across across a region on a common platform, which is, which is I think, a very unique a unique position that we that we serve.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, Jay. And so how does this stuff show up? You know, like there's the, all the back end things that you do to make connectivity, you know, interoperability happened, but how does it show up to providers? How does it show up to case managers, to patients? What does that look like? Yeah.
1: So I can, I can focus on the, uh, our two products, Pings and Stories, two of our products. Okay. So Pings is the real-time alerting service. So it's basically saying, Hey, you know, Saul's in the emergency room or Jay is in the skilled nursing facility. And then there's a series of contextual, there's a sort of a set of contextual information on what happened, why they're there when they got there, who the care team is, you know, what may have happened prior to them showing up in, the, in that particular facility. And that is rendered in a variety of ways, That's however the provider wants to consume it. So some people may love using our application. We're Backed by Google, we're sort of a tech, you know, a tech forward product driven uh, company. So we have a very intuitive kind of Twitter like, you know, user experience where it's just a constant stream feed of, you know, hey, here's what happened. And it's just it's always on. It's always real time. It's always refreshing on what's going on with your patient population. And you can get that in our application that also has a series of notification preferences where you can send a text or um, an email and get it within your phone or, you know, kind of however you want to consume it. But a lot of providers don't want to be in our application. and That's totally fine. For those providers that may exist in a population health system or a care management system or their EHR, we have a, a number of integration options to push the data into their system so that it, it, it lives where they want to live, you know, and, and they can have sort of a native experience within their within their application. That's for the providers that aren't with the patient during a clinical episode that want to be alerted of, of the fact that somebody's having a, a care episode. For the point of care providers, that's, where we get, that's our product stories. And that says, hey, uh, we see Saul's in the emergency room. What else is going on that we don't necessarily know about? Have they been in multiple ERs recently? Have they recently had a SNF stay? Are they recently in a home? Are they currently receiving home health care from you know, a particular provider? Are they part of a care program? What's their care plan? Is there a patient level care plan? Are there population level instructions? What's going on? Does the payer have case management support? Is there any information on prescriptions that we can provide? Um, so we have access to a lot of data sources that one, we're creating by threading together this longitudinal history on the patient. But also accessing other data sources to be able to feed into that clinical workflow. That information doesn't most providers when they're in a clinical episode with the patient in the hospital, in the emergency room, in a nursing home, in you know in a clinic, they don't really want to go anywhere else besides their EHR uh, to get that information. So almost always, will um, ribbon on their EHR will be within the track board. It's a smart on fire application in many instances where they can just click through single sign on get to a lot more information that we're providing uh, during the clinical episode. So it's really seamless. It's within the provider's workflow. We don't want them to come anywhere else, but that, that's, what, that's what will happen.
0: Man, that's fantastic. That is the, I mean, the holy grail. You know, you're a physician, you're taking care of a, of a patient. You're a, you're a patient and your physician's taking care of you. You, you don't have all that information, right? You don't have the, the MRIs from last year and all that stuff, right? So I think it's so great that you guys are, are able to stream all this data through patient stories. That's fantastic that it shows up in the EMR. Definitely exciting to hear about the capability. So congrats on being able to put that together. I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I'm sure you continue to run into issues. So talk to us about the the challenges, right? As entrepreneurs, we learn more through the tough stuff. So maybe you could think about one of those experiences, what you learned and why you're better as a result.
1: Well, look, we've been at this, you know, seven and a half years and you're right, it hasn't, it hasn't been easy. Building a network, providers, you know, now in our materials on our website, a number of different places, we have a number of dots on the map um, of all the participating providers on our network, you know, hospitals, ERs, physician organizations, that sort of thing. And every one of those dots on the map was not easy to earn. It just takes a lot of effort to convince providers to think about doing things slightly differently. And for good reason, you know, if you're a provider, you've got patients' lives at stake. So to change how you do things and add more complexity, or, you know, in our case, hopefully take away complexity, it does require change. And in any, in every instance um, that requires, you know, that's hard, you know, it just takes time sometimes to, 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 to create change. The good news is that there's been some major changes that are happening in the industry on both the reimbursement side for how providers are paid for care and incentivized to deliver care, but also on the technology side um, to modernize the infrastructure that we have. And so that's been able to accelerate some of our some of our growth by both rewarding providers to do the work of coordination. Um, that's what Medicare and a number of other commercial payers have been doing incentivizing providers to invest in this kind of technology and services to, to deliver high-quality coordinated care, um, but also on the technology side, the EHR companies and a number of others kind of surrounding the ecosystem are you know, sort of being promoted to, to help drive this digital transformation that we want to see in our country. So you know, there's good news as far as what's been happening. To go back to your question on like what, what have been some of the biggest setbacks, Man, I, I mean it, it's hard to it's hard to count all of them because, of course, in any in any startup um, or kind of new business venture, there are times where you question what you're doing. There are times where you you know are experiencing real complexity, and those those things fall into all the categories. Um, customers who you thought were interested who back out, customers who sign up who then later decide to cancel, employees who I make mistakes with my own leadership, I make mistakes. You know many over the course of the years. And there's, there's sort of a full range uh, you know, of setbacks that, that I think any, any company experiences, I'm certainly no, no exception. But I think we've had an attitude as a company, we're a learning organization. We try to take these you know, moments of um, difficulty or setbacks or failures and really treat them as learnings, as lessons, and then you know, apply that towards how we're doing things going forward. And we've always had that approach. I, I often say in my company that you know, while growth is great, revenue is great, it's obviously all very important. Our biggest, our most valuable currency is knowledge. So we should keep our ears really close to the ground, learn from our customers, learn from our, our own employees, as far as what we can be doing, both in terms of the strategy and the business and the products, but also in our own culture and how we, how we treat each other and how we kind of learn from each other. And I think we have a team full of learners, we have a team full of growers, and They're they're all sort of interested in self-improvement, both you know, at, at an individual level, but also as a company, and it's just it's just the way that we're wired as an organization. So, so setbacks on the one hand can be hard, but they're they're obviously um, opportunities to continue to grow.
0: Yeah. No. Thanks, Jay. And you, you know, it sounds like you're definitely doing a fantastic job there with the culture. You know, it's just such a such an important facet of. Of a growing business in a segment like healthcare, where there will be constant, constant changes and learnings, or I mean, gosh, selling to a hospital, <laughs> you know, like right there, right? You gotta be ready for anything. So kudos to you for your leadership there, my friend, and and for what you've done with your with your excellent management team. You guys are doing some some really promising work. What would you say you're most excited about today?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I say for entrepreneurs is, this is sort of threading the last question on setbacks, and then also the question on excitement, yeah. is you kind of need to be your, your, biggest, your company's biggest skeptic, but also your company's biggest cheerleader. You got to have both of those things, you know, um, in your head at the same time. Because by being a skeptic, you force your company to really get sharp in making sure that what you're doing is actually, you know, real and that people are getting real value from it. But you also need to have a huge amount of enthusiasm and and belief in the future. And and that is probably where I I am very, very excited. So we've spent seven years building this incredible network. We're able to detect when patients are having events at various facilities across hospitals and nursing homes and virtually and home health agencies and other providers in virtually every every state. So, one thing I say a lot in my company is every ADT, we use, so sorry, ADT notifications or admission, discharge, transfer notifications. It's one of our core services. Um, but every ADT and T is an opportunity to help. So, patient has an event, they're admitted somewhere, they're discharged somewhere. Any opportunity we have to share more content, facilitate workflows to help those vulnerable patients get the right care during that clinical episode, but then also after they're having it in, into their care transition is our opportunity. And there's just so much, you know, so much to be built off of this platform for a long time. It's been hard to invest in the future and the new capabilities and where we're going next, because we had a core product, which was in our notification service, which just required, you know, tons of investment because it was scaling so quickly and reaching kind of this broad, you know, kind of reach, you know, and so we didn't have the, the luxury to invest in all of our future products uh, to the extent that we're, we're, we're doing it now. I'm so excited that we now have this network, this platform from which we can build additional applications, additional services to drive high quality outcomes. I'd say that one area where I'm uniquely excited is in that period after a patient is hospitalized or has a clinical event somewhere um, and is discharged home, actually goes to their their home because there's a, a lot of care and services that are offered to a patient once they leave and leave an institutional setting and go home. Those things could be um, social services that the patient may need to access. It could be follow-up appointments with their primary care doctors or with specialists. It could be access to clinical programs. There's all these really cool digital health programs that are being offered now in the industry, things like chronic condition support or certain disease-specific support, virtual primary care models, all kinds of new telehealth options. So being able to help those patients access those services, you know, get linked into those services, in a way that feels seamless to both the the discharging provider, but also the patient, as well as the receiving provider, um, is a really really exciting opportunity. Care is moving home in very in a very very large way um, away from the institutional setting. Things like SNFs, long term acute hospitals, particularly COVID, people don't you know are a little bit more uh, shy to be in infection rich environments like skilled nursing facilities or even hospitals, um, and to the extent that they can get the same level of care for their particular condition in the home setting, that's, you know, what what patients prefer. If they can get it over video, if they can get it over phone, if they can get it within their home, you know, there's a lot of new sniff at home models. There's new hospital home models. People are really, and payers, health plans, Humana, for example, has made a huge push to the home. And a lot of payers are doing the same um, to support patients while they're in the home setting. And we think we're in a really good position to make sure that those patients who who do uh, leave an institutional setting and are in need of a variety of home home based services are are going to be able to access the, that, that care. So um, that's something that I'm I'm very very excited
0: about. Yeah, no, for sure. It, that's definitely where it's where it's going. And you know, you mentioned, and that is very exciting. Like a couple questions ago, you mentioned sort of the expanding network, and I was I was actually looking at at your website where you you actually show the the years and the growth. I mean, that is just so cool to see yeah. the network. You know, kind of clustered there and kind of Michigan and the East Coast, and then. Fast forward to 2020, over 43 million patients supported, 5,000 plus post-acutes, 1,100 plus hospitals. Damn. (laughs) like like awesome job
1: (laughs) a lot a lot of sweat and tears went into uh into those dots on the map it wasn't it wasn't easy work to do um but we're we're very proud of where we've come and like we're just getting started so i know that there's a lot more to do
0: that's fantastic jay and the broader the network the more useful the data and uh just uh super exciting to know that you guys are are working on this and so as we as we wrap up here you know well Tell us what you think we should be thinking about as a healthcare community of leaders, and then the best place that the listeners could get in touch with you or your team to learn more about what you guys are up to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with the way that the healthcare industry has been shook over the past year, combined with a multi year journey towards value based care and digital health transformation uh, that we've been on for the past 10 years, is creating just extraordinary room for innovation so if you're an innovator or you're working within a company and you're looking to sort of take the company to the next level or uh, or an entrepreneur and want to sort of create new products I'd say that there's just so much room for improvement and the industry has woken up to the fact that they're ready for it we're ready for it so whether you're providing services for providers payers life science companies, patients directly. There's just so much demand and enthusiasm to try new things. And sometimes you have a market shop like this. This happens once in a, you know, in a lifetime to have people change their way of thinking and loosen some rigid, hardwired processes that were, were sort of there for, again, for good reason. This happens once in a lifetime. So I would say, take advantage of that opportunity, create change, build things that are going to make patient care better. We have a very modern country. We have a lot of money that we're spending on healthcare. Um, it can be better spent to get there to, to get to higher quality outcomes. So I would just encourage innovators to, to go after it. We'd love to be in touch with anybody. Uh, we're, we're hiring. We're always looking for talent uh, in the company. And certainly um, if there's um, health systems payers or providers out here that are looking for help around care coordination, we'd love to spend some time talking to you. So I'm at J-A-Y at patientpaying.com jfhandpaying.com so you can reach me
0: there. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, no, what a great message to close this one off with. I mean, once in a lifetime, folks, you know, I mean, take Jay's message home. This is the time to make a difference. And so, Jay, just got to say thanks, man. Awesome work that you're up to. Thanks for sharing the insights you shared today and certainly wishing you guys an amazing, amazing year. I appreciate it. Thanks, Saul. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. a patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.